to Climate Action News one-on-one, brought to you by We Don't Have Time. This new series focuses on partners and investors supporting We Don't Have Time. And next to me here uh, in the studio, I have a counter, and this counts down to 2030. And we need to half our emissions of carbon dioxide by 2030. My name is Katharina Rolf-Stotter-Jansson. I am the host of this program. And I'm very happy to have with me as a guest today, Cassie Flynn from the United Nations Development Program. And Cassie Flynn is strategic advisor on climate change. Meet Cassie Flynn. Cassie is an internationally recognized expert on global treaty negotiations on climate change. As strategy advisor on climate change at the United Nations Development Program, she provides advice to countries on fulfilling the Paris Agreement through the Climate Promise. Last year, UNDP and partners launched the Mission 1.5 campaign to educate people about climate change solutions. The result was the largest survey on climate solutions in history, gathering opinions from over 50 countries representing more than 56% of the world population. Hi there, Cassie. Hi, Katerina. It's lovely to be here. Wonderful to have you. So, Cassie, I'd like to start by asking you, um, from your perspective, which are your greatest fears when it comes to climate change? Mm-hmm. It's a good question because, quite quite honestly, there, there's a lot to be scared of. Um, and I think a lot of people are looking around and seeing climate change is this crisis is happening in real time all around us from from wildfires in Australia and California to sea level rise and these category five storms that seem to be hitting at a greater velocity and uh, and more often than we ever than we ever thought. And so so for me, when when you ask me about my greatest fear, I, I would say it's time because, you know, as, as the title says, we don't have time. And, and the, the clock is really in a countdown. And if we don't take action now, we are putting in place a future for ourselves that is one that, that quite simply we may not survive. Thank you. And of course, this is a concern that is shared by, by so many people all over the world. And now we just make to make sure that we unite our forces and, and, and move forward because we only have eight years. Mm-hmm. Cassie Flynn, in terms of hopes, hope and hopes, what, where does it lie from your perspective? Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of hope. You know, in, in, in my role at, at the United Nations Development Program, I, I'm really lucky because I get to see all of the incredible things that are going on around the world. And uh, whether it is, it is villages really starting to create new businesses or, uh, or governments starting to put in place the, the things that they need to do to protect people, people are really trying to tackle this crisis in all of these different ways. And it, and it is so important. Um, you know, and, and when it comes to hope, uh, something that, that, I am, that I am so excited about is that we are seeing more and more people engaged on the climate crisis than, than ever before. Um, I, I remember days when, you know, you, you say, you say climate change and people say, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't, I don't want to go there. I I don't want to talk about that. And, and now you have people saying, well, yeah, I want to learn more. I may not know about this, but I understand that this is happening and it's something that I want to be a part of the solution. And this is so hopeful. I see it also from my perspective that more and more people are willing to engage. And there is a lot of power and the power of the many, right? 
Absolutely. So Cassie, when it comes to passion, where does your personal passion uh, to, to act on climate change come from? Well, you know, I, I, I really, I, I think it is a moment for all of us to really rise to the challenge. And I'm inspired continually by the people around me who wake up every day, roll up their sleeves and say, I'm not going to stand on the sidelines. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And I'm, I'm fortunate because um, at, a, at a very young age, I had an opportunity to travel a lot. I had an opportunity to see different parts of the world. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Kenya when I was 16. And it really affected me because I got to see a different part of the world. And I got to see the challenges that people who grew up a world away from me in the United States were living their lives and, and the, what was on their minds and, and what they were doing. And when I, I came home after, after that experience, I remember thinking about how connected we all are and how even though we are so different, we are all humans on this planet and, and we need to work together. And as I learned more about the climate crisis, I, I kept going back to that thought of, well, if we have sort of gotten ourselves into this mess, how can we work together to get ourselves out of it? And, and that's certainly a part of my passion. Thank you for sharing that. So could you please tell us about what the United Nations Development Program does in this field? And also you have launched something that you call 1.5 People Climates Vote. So please tell us about this work that you do. Yeah, well, the United Nations Development Program um, is the is the largest supporter of countries around the world when it comes to their pledges underneath the Paris Agreement. And this is a really important time as as we are looking toward COP26 in Glasgow, that countries really need to show up in Glasgow with something to say about how they're going to address the climate crisis. They need to show up with their pledge. And at UNDP, we have something called our Climate Promise. And this is where we are helping countries around the world to be as bold as they can be when it comes to reducing emissions, when it comes to increasing their resilience to climate impacts. And something that was really important to us about these pledges is that they're as inclusive as possible. We really do need everyone around the table. And this is where the People's Climate Vote came in. The People's Climate Vote is about helping everyone to have a voice in solving the crisis and to be able to connect those people to the policymakers that are making the big decisions about, about these pledges. And so what we did was we asked people around the world and we used a pretty unconventional way to do it. We, we used video games and we said, how do you want to solve the crisis? What do, what do you want your, your government to do? What do you want your country to do? And we have compiled all of those, uh, uh, all of those voices and we are creating sort of reports for world leaders to say, okay, here's how the people in Kazakhstan think about climate change. Here's how the people in South Africa are thinking about climate change and really trying to um, give this voice to people that are seeing this climate crisis and they want to help solve it. Fantastic. So what is the, the work? I mean, how has the response from the people that you have approached been? And also, have you have you shared any of the input with any any decision makers yet? Absolutely. So um, we uh, one thing that that came out of this that was so interesting and and with this people's climate vote, it ended up being the largest poll of public opinion on climate change ever 
done. And so it's really given us an insight into not only how are people thinking about the climate crisis, but but how they want to see it solved. And what we did was we asked people, we said, well, do you think climate change is a global emergency? And then we let people pick among 18 different policy choices across energy, transportation, protecting people, farms and food, economy, and nature. And what we found was that nearly two-thirds of people in the world think that climate change is a global emergency. This is incredible. Two out of three people really are looking around and saying, yes, this is a problem. And we asked this question during a global pandemic. And so people, people are seeing that this is something that, that needs to be addressed. And, um, and so what, what we have done now is we, we created a, a global report to give everyone an idea of how, um, how people voted. And, and the top four sort of policy choices that were really interesting were protecting forests and land, renewable energy, climate-friendly farming, and green jobs. And what is so fascinating about this is that is a wide scope of responses, right? That, that is something that you can see how people are really um, seeing the climate crisis and wanting it to be solved in, in a whole different ways. There's no silver bullet. And, um, and so what we have done now is, um, is started to really compile all of this information. We have started giving it to world leaders and we've actually had quite a tremendous response. Um, everyone from uh, the COP president uh, to the G7 uh, presidency, to Greta Thunberg, to all sorts of people have really responded to this saying, yes, we, we do now know that uh, there are solutions out there that do have public support very, very widely. It's fantastic work. What I followed is very inspiring, the reads and the output and the, what people have been sharing also in social media about this. So, so Cassie Flynn, in terms of, of uh, obstacles, uh, we, we do have quite a few uh, for us to be able to reach uh, the 1.5 ambition in Paris. Um, would you, could you identify the, the, the biggest obstacles and also maybe share, share your thoughts on how to address, to take those down, these, these obstacles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have a, a steep mountain to climb. Uh, the, this is, we need in the world right now a, a change at the speed and scale that really up until COVID we had not seen before. Um, but, but the good news is that COVID really taught us this is possible, that the world can change very, very, very quickly. And, and I think if there's, there's something, uh, a glimmer of hope to see out of, out of the COVID crisis, I, I think it's that. That, that we can do this, um, but it does require sort of everyone at the table. Um, it can't just be governments. It can't just be private sector. It can't just be uh, people who are looking around and care. It's got to be all of us together um, talking about these solutions um, and really trying to make efforts to, to make these changes at the pace that, that we need. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of in terms of obstacles, is there? I mean, people, a lot of people talk about um, energy transformation, food, uh, the agriculture sector. Is there is there anything that you think might have the biggest leverage in terms of of, of getting us down there to mm-hmm. uh, in time? Well, there's a number of different things, uh, and and for me, I, if I can sort of put it at at, at my top three, uh, certainly within sectors. 
the energy sector is is critical. Um, and this isn't also just about, you know, we, we talk a lot about the transition to renewable energy, but also I think that it's about energy access. How can we ensure that everyone has access to, to clean energy um, and that businesses can easily tap into to a clean energy grid that helps power opportunity. Um, because we won't be able to solve this if we can't solve that, that part of the energy crisis. Um, and likewise with agriculture, what are we, what we are doing with our land? Are we tearing down forests to, to, uh, uh, for mass agriculture? Are we, uh, the way that we grow our food? You know, these are policy choices that are, that are really important that we need to ensure um, that we're doing it in a climate sensitive way. So on the We Don't Have Time platform, people from all over the world interact and, and share climate love and share solutions and, and just really pull their weight in, in, in making effort to change to change this trajectory, which is not looking good right now. So how did you um, at the United Nations Development Program um, discover We Don't Have Time? Well, I have to say it started in a really poetic way. It, it started with Earth Day. Um, I, we don't have time is such a leader uh, when it comes to bringing everyone together um, on, on Earth Day. And um, I had a real pleasure of, um, of connecting with Ingmar and, and connecting with the We Don't Have Time uh, crew on what they were doing when it, come, when it comes to Earth Day. And I just loved it. I thought, oh, here is this really fantastic platform that is really cultivating a sense of community around this. It's, it's a place that people can go to, to ask questions, to discuss ideas, uh, to connect with others. And, and I found that so, so inspiring and powerful. I completely agree, of course, being the, the host of this, this fantastic network's broadcast. And we're just letting you know, we're busy planning the next big Earth Day uh, broadcast. So we will be back. Uh, <laughs> In terms of opening uh, the UNDP uh, up for climate dialogue, how come you decided to do this and what has it led to so far? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it goes back to this sense of community, right? I mean, we, you know, the United Nations Development Program, we are, of course, part of the UN. And so we work a lot with governments. We work a lot with policymakers around the world. And, and as I mentioned, you know, something that is really important to us is to be able to help be a bridge between policymakers and what's going on in all different sectors of, of society outside of government. And this is where we're really excited about We Don't Have Time because we can connect with people and we can connect with their ideas. We can get feedback on different ideas that we have. And really it's a place to, to go to be able to ask questions, sometimes really hard questions about uh, about how these pieces really really fit together and what we're what we're doing and we've been really pleased with the uh, with the results so far um, we have had a number of different ideas come forward they've been liked we have interacted and um, it's been a place where we also have felt pretty pretty inspired with the engagement that's wonderful because a lot of people see the United Nations as something far away and distant and sort of, you know, you can't really permeate the structures. How do you get in? How do you get your, get your voice listened to? So this is a fan, fantastic way of, of opening up. And it's it's wonderful to have you on board indeed. And what I've seen from the interaction, it's been it's been quite fascinating to see how people really connect 
and and share um, climate love and also ideas and and, and etc. with you. Fantastic. So in terms of the the future. Um, uh, being on on the We Don't Have Time uh, platform, what do you hope to achieve coming forward? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there, there's a few things here. I mean, one, of course, is having this place for, for dialogue um, and this place for, for ideas, but also sort of going back to... Um, honestly, kind of back back to the, my fear and and the clock being the clock ticking is is and then this is where I think we don't have time and, and the platform what we've so enjoyed is that we can really cultivate this community, but we can also help to inspire this kind of radical shift that we all need. And that when you have ideas about agriculture, alongside ideas about youth jobs, or alongside ideas about water. You can start to see, oh, this we're really onto something here. This is really starting to 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 boil in in many ways, and and you can see the ideas coming to the surface. And something that we are really hoping to achieve with that is to further be a part of that community, to to listen, uh, to engage, and to cultivate this community, so we can have this radical shift that we need to address the climate crisis in the time that we need to. And the time is indeed running out. So Cassie Flynn, in terms of your colleagues at the, the, the United Developments Program, um, how do they respond to, to this, this new, new um, dialogue platform that you're on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think everybody's been really excited about it. Um, we've had, you know, since we started doing it, we've had a number of colleagues um, that not, aren't necessarily a part of the, the climate uh, team sort of say, hey, we, we've seen this thing we, and we've seen it on social media and, and we, we'd be really interested in, in sort of this tool because at the UN, it's really special for us to be able to have a place that we can go to really see where people are and to kind of take the pulse of, of what people are, are thinking and to get, to get feedback in real time. Well, it's, it's it's a true democratic way of, of of opening up that you're that you have have uh, access to now. So, so we're delighted to have you on board, and it was a pleasure talking to you on this on this on this new segment here, Cassie Flynn. And um, well, we'll we'll connect again, I hope, and best of luck with your important work at the United Nations Development Program. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for all of you viewers, thanks for joining in. And of course, interact uh, with other people, uh, the United Nations and other organizations give climate reviews to companies on the platform. So we get this movement stronger and with a push faster. So we get down on time. Thank you and see you again on the next Climate Action News. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.